Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 75 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on March 3rd, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Justin is actually out this week due to something called real life requiring a last minute schedule change on his part. That being said, alongside me, we have with us the woman who just has an amazing fashion sense, Mel. Mel, how's your week been? It's not been too bad. Uh, just working, trying to catch up on stuff. I've been super busy with pretty much real life stuff, like nonstop. So um, I did get get I did get to pick up Destiny a little bit this week and try out the new balance of guns in Crucible. And I'm a fan. Nice. I, I'll say I'm a fan. I I still not crazy about playing. Um, um, Iron Banner. I still feel like um, it's not not the type of play style that I like to play. It's too competitive for me. So, but like normal crucible and stuff's really, really good. Um, and I like the fact that it's now favoring more of mid range guns and definitely your primaries, like knowing that I don't have to worry as much about running around and then like being shotgunned every two seconds. is fabulous. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about to say green, green. Yes. I don't think there's been a conversation that Green has not made that comment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shotguns can just burn. <laughs> and it's funny because I like shotguns. Like, we're going to talk about some of my favorite shotguns today. But, like, like in the Crucible, oh, my God, they were just – it was too much. It was, mm-hmm. it, was, it was way too much, you know? Like, they're – I know like not having special weapons now, it actually makes them feel special, you know, like, Oh, I have this, what I have this little bit of ammo. It's special to me and therefore I must conserve it or use it just in special occasions and not just spam it throughout the whole entire time that you're in a match, you know? So, so it's like, it's like, it's a special weapon, not a primary weapon. (gasps) Yeah. Who would have thought that? (gasps) That's so weird, right? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, concepts. Well, from the depths of the madness-inducing mind maps, we are also joined by our favorite Gunter, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, hope you're doing well. How about you? How's the how's the week gone for you so far? Mad? Am I mad? No, no, not at all. Just, just a little crazy. Hey. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I haven't had to dive into the maps too much lately. Because somebody else has been beating me. I don't know what you're talking about. Seems like, yeah, you're taking, you're totally taking my deal from me. Nah, I'm all right with it. Uh, things have been good. I got a little story for everybody. I'm gonna share on the Twitterverse and the and the uh, Twitchverse about my brother. I already told this to some of the guys before everybody got on, but my brother has been asking me to train him, and I told him no because I don't want to train family. So I gave him to another trainer at my gym who's a professional bodybuilder. He's a great guy. Awesome. Goes to his first session. They do legs the first day. So (laughs) any of you who have ever lifted and lifted with a bodybuilder, you know what's going to come up. So he gets finished with legs. He goes home. It's a 30-minute drive from the gym to get home. Gets out of his diesel truck, flatbed, big farmer guy, thinks he's tough, steps down, 
Feet make contact. Feet feel good. Legs didn't get the memo. Bites the dust right there in front of his wife. It's like, oh, my God. I wish I had a camera out there. (laughs) Just all those times you picked on me and I'm older. I just wish. But, yeah, it's it's been good. That's kind of made my week so far. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing my brother bit the dust after weightlifting. (laughs) Well, in the guest co-host spotlight tonight, we have our good, good friend, Purple Chimera. Purple, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Just hanging out here. Um, Been a very busy real life work week for me this week. So I'm glad that the week is over. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's been that's been like a general consensus. I think every single person I've talked to like this week and last week, this it's just been it's been insane real in reality for people. Um, real quick though, can you tell us where people can find you? Cause I know there's a few new things that they can, they can find with your name attached to, to them, uh, you know, in case they want to chat more about tonight's topic. Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at purple chimera. As always, you can find me on the ishtar collective.net. Um, we have a new forum there, so you can join me over there if you want to have more long form discussions. I'd really appreciate it because some people like to talk to me on Twitter and I can't handle talking in 140 characters, like having a real conversation. <laughs> like when you have to hit reply to your own post, it's not okay. Um, anyway, so that's a great place to talk. Um, and I have a brand new podcast, Rabbit Hole Radio, where we talk about spin foil lore things. Um, yeah, so you can join us. Um, we have a Discord. You can chat with us there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Rabbit Hole FM. We're about to record our fourth episode, so it's super brand new. And what then, kind of topics have you guys gone over? Uh, well, we've talked about the nature of the void. We've talked about Varix. Um, we're about to talk about Osiris. So, Blue. yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> that's not a rabbit uh, hole. That's a rabbit warn. Just, just, yeah. a, just well, a warning. Our, you know, fair, fair our warning. Osiris, um, we've already broken it up into at least three episodes. <laughs> that's it. That's a good number. I would go with nine. That's a better number. <laughs> We're trying to focus each episode on a specific um, theory. Mm-hmm. That helps to narrow it down. A yeah, little bit. yeah, that that definitely does. Um, and then I know you are also uh, involved with Destiny Lorecast, and then I, if I remembered, isn't there a podcast attached to Ishtar as well now? Yeah, so Ishtar has a podcast that has been temporarily on hiatus because Baxter went to Australia, and it's like Which on the other crazy. side of the world, and it's hard why, to why record. Would you do that. <laughs> Well, yeah, he was sent there for work and then he stayed afterwards <laughs> for a little while for funsies, I guess. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> anyway, he's back now. He came back this week and I'm so excited that I actually get to talk to him. Yay. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll start recording again soon. And um, of course, Destiny of the Cast has I've been on that for a while now and we record pretty much every week, so. That's with Anon and uh, Mythos Mike and Ghost of Handsome Dragon. Because Ghost he's on hiatus right now. <laughs> <Ghost of Handsome Dragon. laughs> 
Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's dive into the intro, and then we'll jump into the grimoire because we actually have grimoire cards this week. Here we go. The topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the exotic special weapons that our guardians have access to currently. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we looked at the exotic primary weapons in Destiny currently. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internets. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to give us some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, Ghosts and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, Paragon Radio. Our next chat's going to be an exploration of the exotic heavy weapons. With that said, let's go ahead and dive into the information and thoughts that the community had on the special exotic weapons. Lorebot, let's go. Query. Grimoire. Database. Results found. Displaying on screen. Well, thank you, Randy. I feel like I have to say that obligatorily. (laughs) Since Justin is gone. So we're going to start with fusion rifles in the exotic lore this week. And the fusion rifle card says advancements in directed energy distribution gained through the discovery of golden age research led to the creation of stable field ready energy based weaponry. The first implementation of this technology comes in the form of the fusion rifle. Users must hold the trigger down for a few moments to charge the weapon before firing. Is my least favorite gun type. <laughs> oh, holy crud, does it wreck, man? It does. <laughs> it does. I can't use it, though. The timing just, I can't do it. I know I, people are like, you can do it. You just got to get used to it. But it's like, I don't want to. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's one of those things where, like, you definitely have to listen to it pretty well. So like you, uh, for me, when I, if, when I used to run with one, which was very brief, um, I would take it and hold it and it would go, and as soon as it gets to that point, I would let go and then keep doing that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so that way, when if I came around a corner or someone came at me, I'm already almost charged and I don't have to go. Oh, oh, so. You know what else that's... goes? Cars, hmm. manual cars. And I suck at driving those too. I was going to oh. say, it's, it reminds me a lot of the rail guns from Halo. Yeah. Halo 5. That's does. exactly. I mean, like we were playing, <clears throat> my brother and I play a lot of the Super Fiesta. And that's what, like every time I'm like, I got a few. Oh, wait, wait, hang on. It's a different name <laughs> in this game. So. Or pew pew pews. Or pew pew pews. Yeah, yeah that's. I like the pew if pew pews. If it's not SWAT, that's pretty much my designation of guns <laughs> in that game. 
It's a pew, pew, pew. It's like, God, blue. Pew, pew, pew. Well, you want to start with, let's just run down. Uh, I'm going to pretend like these are in, are these in alphabetical order? Did I get, did I plan ahead? Yes, they are. Huzzah. All right. So let's start with the first one in alphabetical order of the fusion rifle. I believe purple, you want to grab plan C? Plan C. Good fighters have contingency plans. Great fighters don't need them. Sharp reflexes keep you alive on the frontier. But no matter how fast you are, a fusion rifle can only charge so quickly. Enter the Plan C. When you draw the weapon, fast rise capacitors and smart induction system prime for firing. The ready fire state only lasts a few moments, but in a gunfight, those moments matter. Dun, dun, dun. So the uh, perks real quick on Plan C is obviously the Plan C perk. Which basically means that this this gun charges and then also equips very very quickly immediately after a weapon swap. So basically, it it reduces that problem that Green was just talking about. <laughs> I still don't like it. <laughs> um, and then let's see. I know Rhino gave us a couple bits of trivia on this one. Uh. The definition of plan C is obviously the third in a contingency of plans. So basically, if plan A or plan B don't work, that's when plan C comes in. Uh, And then when plan C doesn't work, that's when you switch to a shotgun, which we call plan D. Um, No? No? Okay, cool. Uh, (laughs) I call it it plan F for another reason. Uh But I digress. Continue, Blue. Um, out of the flavor text, uh, the fast rise capacitors, those are actually a type of capacitor that stores energy in a static state. So it's always ready to be used with the least amount of delay upon activation. Uh, again, kind of going into the entire concept of the plan C being as a, as a quicker, uh, spin up time. Uh, and then when it says prime smart induction, <clears throat> that is actually a it's a indication of a stored motion control that delivers automatic response with without precognition. Um, actually, a lot of industries use this. Uh, they use it for um, automatic controls with prime induction motors that basically eliminates the need for an operator to perform certain tasks uh, that both allows to save time and then also provides a much more efficient and faster production. And also, generally, it makes it a lot safer, especially for assembly item type motions. So that's where you see a lot of those, um, a lot of that particular aspect going into it. Uh, as far as everything else, um, aesthetically, Plan C is kind of an interesting looking gun. I I do like the little baby bayonet that they put on it. Yeah, I, don't I like it. I always like the spikes at the top of it. I was going to say, it looks like it's got like a little hedgehog going on there at the top. Yeah, and when you're carrying it, you see the spikes a lot more, so it looks very prickly. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of fun. I like, and it's yellow. I like the color yellow. I don't know. I caught (laughs) Plansa. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Fair enough. (laughs) Well, Mel, you want to talk about the next one we got? Yeah, I can totally talk uh, talk about the pocket infinity. You cannot shake the feeling that this is less a weapon than a doorway. Fire team turret 
Is that right? Yeah, turret died in the Ishtar stink, hunting the secrets of the Vex. They must have come too close to something precarious, for the Vex descended on them with their typical inscrutable through violence. But their sacrifice was not in vain. The data they gathered helped forge the pocket infinity. Properly modified, the weapon should be capable of devastating output on just a single charge cycle. The affinity's mechanisms have proven difficult, if not impossible, to replicate in mass. It is conceivable that this weapon draws its energy from the Vex networks, an ominous possibility. So be wary with it. Um, so the Pocket Infinity, the perk on this one is it fires in full auto mode and it has a chance to return rounds that have missed to the magazine. So if you're firing this around and you go, oopsie, poopsie, you might get an extra round in that magazine. So um, might be kind of a useful now since special ammo is in short supply. Um, so some notes, um, that we have here, um, the actual concept of the pocket infinity. So if you think about it, to think that you have affinity, the bound or the large number, and it's contained within your pocket, like that's, that's insane. But if you're going, if you're thinking about that, how it, it, uh, goes into the VEX networks, um, that that's crazy because it's endless, timeless. So to think about it, you literally have a pocket universe right in your hand. And that's that's some crazy power to just be walking around going, oh, there you go. You know, like that's <laughs> that's pretty crazy to think about how much power this gun can potentially carry. Um, let's see. Some other notes. Do you want me to continue on, Blue? Do you uh, have anything to I, continue to I add have, on to that? I have a really interesting little trivia connection with some... Um, well, with Banshee, actually, with Pocket okay. Infinity. Uh, this is actually – so Fireteam Tuyet was actually a fireteam that was led by an individual who was who, – <clears throat> who went by the name of Galetta, Galetta Tuyet. Uh, and Galetta was actually a weapons scholar. She was a leading weapons scholar, and she was a warlock. She is actually – so we learn this when you're basically gathering weapon data for <clears throat> for Banshee. Uh, I think it was for the is it the arms day when it that got introduced. Um, ghost, there's a there's a gather weapon data. I believe this is a quest, and it's it's the shotgun kills actually. And so you have to get shotgun kills with a special telemetry consumable active. And ghost, the quote on here is from your ghost, and it says, "City records indicate that before you, the last time Banshee forty four designed a custom weapon was for a warlock named Galada Tayed." Now, there is another kind of interesting connection for Galetta. There, if you if you dig into the rabbit hole, that is this kind of little little known figure. You end up coming up with this kind of interesting story where um, sh- that that entire fire team, the Toyot fire team, was actually it kind of seems like trying to rebuild the Vex Mythoclass, which. When you read the card where it says about, or the the pocket infinity card where you say the Vex descended on them with, you know, basically very, very violent response. Um, it if you if you dig into that and you start looking at it, the reason the Vex were so like so violent in their response for this particular fire team was because they were trying to figure out a way to recreate the Vex Mythoclass, 
which if you remember from the Vex class, that's a fusion rifle that we use in our primary slot. Um, and it has the, in, like basically the infinity loop within it that allows us to, um, fire without a charge time, which means you would have a fusion rifle that has no charge time. Um, and if you look at the actual pocket infinity, it looks very cobbled together it's got, um, sensors and, you know, basically coolant rods going all over the, the side of it. But the, the other kind of really interesting kind of cool little thing is I believe it's the odd, I think it's the oddly colored cube. I'm making sure I have this real quick, but, um, yeah, it's the oddly colored cube. Now this introduces another character that we know next to nothing about, but the oddly covered cube if you if you look at this, this is a warlock artifact, and it's just this little cube. But it looks a lot like the little uh, vex ducks, is what we call them on uh, Pantheon. Mm-hmm. They it mm-hmm. looks like a pink vex duck, which is theorized to be an incubator, or on some people theorize that this could be a vex incubator or a vex uh, data storage unit or something like that, which. Uh, if you read the flavor text for the oddly colored cube, it says Galata died to bring these cubes back from Venus. And I still don't know why. And that's from a character who goes by the name of Despoigna core. Um, now that's interesting too, because Galata was actually collecting these Vex ducks and bringing them back. So that, that raises some extra questions. Also, it also means that she was going into the black garden. She was also, or no, she was on in the black garden. She was on Venus. So th- this also places those on Venus, which if you, you know, if you spend any time in patrol on Venus, this looks just like the architecture that the Vex are made of. Um, there is an interesting little bit of a nod to the uh, etymology of Despoigna. Uh, Despoigna is a daughter of Demeter and Poseidon. Uh, she was the goddess of mysteries, and um, so there, there is a, and there's not like a whole lot on that particular connection. Um, I would hope th- not. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> um, now, the the interesting thing for me here is that Despoigna Core is actually her name, but in Greek mythology, Despoigna and Core are two different uh, goddesses. They're both daughters of Demeter. Core was born first and then Despoigna, but yet in this reference, you have Despoigna as the first name, Core as the last name. So there's uh, the the connection there is Zeus is the father of Core, Poseidon is the father of Despoigna. Um, and then I believe actually one of I'm trying to remember Core. Oh yeah, Core is actually also known by another name, Persephone which you might be familiar with that whole myth. Um, so there's there's a bit of an interesting there too. Also, uh, in the connection to Persephone, if you look at the oddly colored cube, it looks a lot like a pomegranate color, uh, which I find very interesting, especially given that the person speaking in that item has a connection to the figure of Persephone. Uh, and that's pretty much my little rabbit hole for the pocket infinity. It's, it's got, it's actually got a really, really interesting connection to a a few different little minor side stories that could potentially be bigger. Uh, but they are as, as we've all discussed, mysterious 
and they didn't have time to explain what they what they were doing before they were killed. Because there is no time to explain no why there was no time. Yeah, no, no time. <laughs> okay. No time. All right. All right. Just want to make sure. Even though you have like infinity in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Even though. Right. Well, even though. All right. Even though. All right. <laughs> um, that kind of covered everything, I think, with the pocket infinity. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so we want to move on to our next fantastical gun, Queen Breakers. The Queen's Breakers, bro, 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 come on. Queen Breakers, bra. Uh, Queen Breakers, bros before Queen Breakers. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> uh, all right. So Queen Baker, Queen Breakers, Bo. Gosh, now I can't say it right. Um, a reminder that while so few breakers remain, her majesty still stands. Queen Breaker was a label given to the fallen who first rose to betray the queen. Their coordinated attempt on her grace's life was quick and violent. Most of the Queen Breakers were eliminated, their line rifles taken as trophies. Some remain at large. Known as Queen, Baker, Queen Breakers bows, the very weapons once used in an effort to assassinate the Queen of the Reef are now prized possessions for Guardians, not only for their storied history, but for the chance to get their hands on fully functional fallen weaponry. Uh, yes. So this is... This super cool. Yeah, it, it's... I hate using it, but it, it looks really mm-hmm. pretty. Um, the the exotic perk on this gun is it's got a couple interesting ones. Uh, Hidden Hand, basically, is this weapon gains better target acquisition. And then uh, it's it, it's a fusion rifle sniper. I don't think it's an exotic perk, but that is basically what it is. And it's really annoying. Because it's a sniper rifle that you have to wait to charge, and that's my only point. That's my only thoughts on this. The reason why I like it is because of how tied to the lore the design mm-hmm. of the gun is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of the reasons why it's up there on my list. I mean, I think I've shot it like twice ever, <laughs> but I, I feel like if you were to actually go and talk to Prince Aldrin during any cutscene, having this on your back, he would sass you so much. <laughs> so much sass. 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 How, how dare you bring that gun into my realm? Mm-mm, kick it out. <laughs> he is so sassy. <laughs> I don't know why Older now had that voice, but he did. I That's so his want that forever. <laughs> Destiny 2, Older voice. Mm-mm. Oh my God. Good times. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, these guns definitely have a lot more tie into the in-game lore mm-hmm. than some of the others do, for sure. The the um the thing that has always intrigued me about this particular weapon is given given what we know about fallen weaponry. Well, there's a couple of things. Given what we know about fallen weaponry, I find that it's interesting that we um have a nod here that the guardians have had difficulty getting their hands on fully functional weaponry. Uh, I find that kind of intriguing, but it also, it also really points out if you, if you look at this gun, uh, first off, there's a couple things that really kind of stand out. First off, it is very similar to the Vex Mythoclass in the way that the stock is. 
uh, the way that kind of is curved around with the, the, I don't even know what you would call it at the bottom, but then also it's, it's a hodgepodge sniper fusion. That's exactly I mean, they, they took a sniper rifle and they basically bolted on the fusion cycle chamber underneath. And I, I think that's like, it's so, so fallen. Like they, they I'm, I'm surprised there's not pieces of duct tape wrapped around the middle of it. Maybe there is. And that's what that fancy cover is. Oh, fancy. For. You think that's what it is, is just to make it look pretty so that they're like, oh, oh yeah. Curses. Can't, we can't yeah. have duct tape here. I mean, and, it's kind of what it, is on the handle or the, the hand. Yeah. <clears throat> it's also possible to you that like, since these guns are so, I would imagine, old and decrepit, that they might have gone through several changes and fix-ups along the way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, think about it when you get antique guns. Like, it's so, it's very uncommon to get a gun that's completely stock from when it was originally made. Oh, like, yeah. Like, there's been so many yeah. points where everything has been, like, the handles have been replaced or, like, the grips have been replaced and, like, chambers have been replaced because they've been damaged or hurt. So I would imagine that maybe, like, some of these, since they're so rare, that might have been the same case. And maybe that's why it looks a, bit, a little bit nicer because Guardians might have access to more <laughs> things. I see what you're doing here, but no. <laughs> we don't use duct tape. We use super glue. Come on. I mean, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> At least it's not with wire, like bailing wire and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. It really. I mean, <laughs> okay. So the other thing that's interesting about this is the Queen Breaker name was given to it by us. So we actually don't know what this gun is called within the Elixir language. It wasn't given the Queen Breaker name until the Fallen actually rose up to betray the Queen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a fair that's a fair point actually. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a nickname, much like yeah, Fallen actually. Mm-hmm. I would. I seriously, in my mind, in my head, canon that this gun has such bad history that it's almost in bad taste to have this gun and be around of like Reef Awoken. You know, like I just can't. I can't imagine them being totally okay. Like, I mean, you can't. E- we don't even know what their name is. Like, you can't even go. Hey, guys, we. If I found this gun, what's its actual name? Like, you. No one knows. I mean, that to me just just screams that we don't speak of it. Take it away. It's get out of my sight. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's the gun that should not be named. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have a nose. (laughs) Well, it kind of does actually. It's got. It's got a bit of a. All right. Anyways, let's move on before. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's jump into Telesto. Telesto, the only void weapon in the entire list of specials. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me mad because I like void weapons. <laughs> Green has a bone to pick with this. I have a bone to pick with Bungie's like balancing out style, but that's beyond the point. All right, so the Grimoire card for Telesto says, Vestiges of the Queen's Harbingers yet linger among Saturn's moons. Public key. O23 629 DWS Regal from Paladin Kalmada Kalmala Rior Paladin Command TF 5.3 to Acting Regent Petrovenge Subject SNR Report Saturn 8. Expanded search of Saturn's nearby moons produced only one notable discovery. A cloud of harbing- harbinger matter collected around Saturn's 13th moon designation Telesto. 
A sample is enclosed for your examination. Still no sign of primary objectives. Continue the survey of the remaining 100,000 cubic kilometers of space is underway. But as an Armada Paladin of the Awoken, it is my duty to officially recommend declaration of death of the following. Paladin Yasmin Eld, Paladin Leona Brile, Paladin Abrazire, Paladin Pavel Nolg, Teshin Shuro, Teshin Sedia, Teshin Kali, and the Awoken Queen Marasov. Note that acting Regent Commander, it is not your duty to actually declare these deaths at this time. Message ends. This one's fun. This one has a lot in it as far as unpacking it. So first off, it's one of the guns that brings us back to the reef, which I think is interesting that the two, three fusion rifles, two fusion rifles bring us back to the reef. And then its major perk is the Harbinger's spark, which says that multi-kills with this weapon spawn orbs of light for your allies. And then getting into the stuff that Rhino gave us, because Rhino is awesome. Uh, let's see here. Telesto from Mythology is from the Oceanid of one of, okay, so it's one of the 3,000 daughters of Titans, Oceanus and Tethys, and the personification of divine blessing or success. So Telesto actually represents that. And then astronomy kind of like it said in the card it is one of the moons of saturn its leading trojan nickname is its nickname and then that planet or that planet that moon has a smooth icy surface it does not show the signs of intense cratering seen on saturn's other moons and saturn 8 is another name for the moon so when it referenced it in the beginning of the card that's actually talking about to stow the moon itself so that's got some fun stuff. And then it talks about how the queen is possibly dead, as well as all the other people that were with her. Mm-hmm. Which one of which was the matron Tetchun? Shuro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other the other fun perk on this one is unplanned reprieve or reprieve, which basically means I'm sorry for keep bringing this back to Halo, but this is basically a needler. I was just going to say that. This Thank is, you. This is the pink gun of destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's also really fun to shoot your friends in the back and have them run into a room. Uh, it's much prettier. It's prettier than a needler. This, so then like the needler just like stabby, stabby, stabbies. And this mm-hmm. is like fireworks on your corpse. Yes. I mean, Death by what do you mist. prefer? Death by pink so, mist. <laughs> funny. <laughs> Funny video that came on. There's a guy who's doing like myth buster type destiny things on on YouTube. I can't remember what channel he is, and I feel really bad about that. We'll find that later. But he did. Uh, Can you shoot Telesto on a sparrow and blow up somebody driving by them? And it will actually work. You just be really quick about it. Hmm. Wait, wait. I want to try this like, now. Wait. Mm-hmm. While you're on a sparrow. So somebody's on a sparrow driving by. You have the Telesto. Oh, you okay. You're sparrow. not on the sparrow. Okay. No, no, okay. no. I was no. like, how? <laughs> you can't <laughs> that fire. Seems the gun. like a rather odd glitch. <laughs> they break the gun. They break the writing mechanic. No clue. <clears throat> Space magic. I know. Yes. Don't. Oh. They don't. They don't have time to explain. 
Um, let me th- <laughs> see here. Uh, it also it it also actually gives you know to going back to the idea of um, them being dead. That last line in the grimoire card actually also really does kind of kind of give you a a glimpse into Petra's mindset because it's like, hey, look, uh, you don't have to actually declare these deaths. This is just me because it's a search and rescue report. Uh, that's what SNR mm-hmm. report means. Uh, it's so they're they're searching. Right? So this is after that giant, you know, the opening scene to the the Taken King. Um, this is like they're like, hey, we th- we're pretty sure they're dead, but hey, you don't have to actually say that. We're just giving you the information. So I, I think that last line kind of to me is is interesting because of it standing out from the rest of the the desynthetized tone of the entire card. It's like. I don't know. It's kind of like the the uh, who is this? Well, the Rior, Re- I think, right? Yeah, Kamala, Kamala Rior. Kamala Rior. It's almost it, like she's like, "Hey, you don't have to." Because the other thing is, uh, Petra was raised by the Tetchens, so she basically just got told that not only is her queen possibly dead, three of her three of basically the mother figures and the parental figures in her life were killed. Well, the well, other I- thing. Go ahead, Mel. My, um, oh, oh, it was me. Oh, yeah, sorry. no, it's fine. Um, I was just going to say it, it also gives a little bit of an insight in that Petra and Kamala might have a closer relationship mm-hmm. than just a standard, like we are in the same, right. you know, li- we, li- we both live in the, yeah, we both live in the reef and we work in the same, you know, building essentially. <laughs> Um, that she would put that line in there like, okay, I know that you're going to freak out about this and you don't have to. Mm-hmm. I almost kind of feel they put that in there to leave it open-ended, like they haven't fully decided, are are they really dead? Or are, are they alive? I don't know. It kind of makes everything still very open-ended and makes you question what is actually going on. Are these people actually dead or were they magical in space magic happened and they are some other place. So, you know, I've actually, I read it in a very different way than all of you. And it's kind of surprising because I read it as the, she's a new regent. She's just newly gotten put into this position. And this person is like, okay, don't overreact. We still have a hundred thousand cubic kilometers to go through. I like your guys's interpretation mm-hmm. of it where it's a more relationship based thing, but I can see it as a, as an underling respectfully telling their superior that just got the job. Like don't report this yet. We're not done. We haven't stopped looking. So it's still a chance that she's out there. They have to suggest it because of the original finding the harbinger uh, cloud out there considering where everybody would be at. But I read it in a very, I guess, military mm-hmm. cold way compared to the the nice, these people might actually have a relationship, which I kind of like better. Hmm. I, I also, wonder if there's... Oh, go for it, go for it. I, I wonder if, if uh, Green-Eyed, if seen it that way, I wonder if they're saying that so that way they don't actually panic the remaining people 
like mm. this, the ones that are actually citizens and not necessarily fighters that were part of the full onslaught against um, Oryx and stuff. And this is more of kind of like, don't, don't say anything yet. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise we're going to see mass panic and we don't have the resources to deal with this right now. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was also going to just uh, make a comment. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head the hierarchy of the armada of the reef. But I just noticed, or well, I I, I just really kind of, when you were reading it, it kind of stuck out to me too. It's there's a line that she says, but as an armada paladin of the Awoken, it is mm-hmm. my duty to officially recommend. Now that I mean, agreeing kind of what you were <clears throat> what you were talking about, that can be read a couple of different ways. Um, but if we're reading it as a um, as kind of a more relationship, so so the two ways that you could read it, right, or the two ways that strike that we're talking about, the relationship way, um, this could potentially be this paladin's also been promoted because if you look Mm -hmm. there's four paladins that are now gone um Mm -hmm. and so it could be an instance where kamala because i don't remember kamala's name other than this card uh it could be that this is one of her first or his first i don't know its first reports to the region commander who is also as you know by definition a region commander uh is a new figure in that position as well right um Mm -hmm. but but on the flip side of that as well, if this is going down the more military path, which actually I, I can I can totally see that being a legit reading of this as well. If we're going down that part, it could also be as a, a kind of a gentle reminder again of, hey, you look, you're new. I get that. This is a lot to take in. But, you know, we're the paladins are here. We're doing our job. We have been through not necessarily something like this, but it's basically like a reiteration of, hey, look, we're mm-hmm. just a paladin. This is just a paladin. But, you know, it, it's my duty to officially recommend that you declare these deaths. But note that you do not. It is not your duty. So, he's, you know, this person is saying it's my duty to recommend the declaration of death. But that does not mean that it is your duty to actually declare. Something else that I noticed, too, is you think about Petra's background. Petra had gotten demoted at one point. Yeah, this, uh, yes. But this was so, after she was re-promoted. Right. This, is, this happens afterwards. But I would not doubt it if people within the Awoken Society knows about her demotion oh, because yeah. of the battle. Mm-hmm. So this could also that could also have a an effect on this card too, knowing that that's that's a true yeah. There's there's so many that's that's one of my it's one of the problems in this. I don't say this often, but it is one of the problems with having only really only text based grimoire mm-hmm. um, because you know, I mean this entire conversation right here. Um, I read this in a completely different way. Then you did green like you, you mm-hmm. and, but, but you know, in the conversation here, these are both a hundred percent viable ways to read this card, you know, like in, depending on where your emphasis and the, the context of the individual, you know, the, the relationship context between these two individuals, it could be drastically different ways of, 
of um, interpreting what the information says here. However, if you had like a, you know, a cutscene, which I'm not necessarily saying that, but like if you had like an audio, audio format of this, um, mm-hmm. I could see that being like, you know, the, the emphasis of the way that the person is speaking definitely sends more connotations than just diction, right? Um, but I, I have I just, an answer to your question about Kamala. Yes. She is a member of the Vestian Guard. Um, oh, she's listed okay. on the Royal Logan Guard card. Yeah, that's so the, the card that the card that came out in House of Wolves on the Royal Logan Guard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the Queen commands Queen's commands are carried out by her seven paladins. Four right. command the Royal Amar- Armada, including the Corsairs and the Vestian Guard: Abra Zayer, Kamala Rayor, Halim Fen, and Leona Brile. Hmm. Oh, so. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically this is someone who's been around for a while. <laughs> okay. But okay. No, no, no. But that is, that's an interesting point because if Kamala is a Vestian guard paladin, she is not an armada paladin or he, yep. She, right. She, yeah. She All the, was not right. So she has been, she, she's a new, newly moved. This is, this is a new position for the Sivokan then because in our, because the Armada and green or uh, purple, correct me if no. I'm wrong. Well, no, 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 it no, 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 no. For- not not Paladin, but the Vestian Guard is a is a ground based unit, whereas the Armada is their naval based unit. It's saying okay. she's in command of that. It says for command the Royal Armada, comma including the Corsairs and the Vestian Guard, and then it lists four people. So she's oh, part okay. of the Armada. She's just those are the troops that she is under control or over control of. Okay. Okay. I must. I must have misheard. Then. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Stand corrected. <laughs> so, so Ishtar has this great search bar, and if you put I know, I name just did it. it. Leave me <laughs> alone. Leave me alone. I just did it. Shh. Go away. Shh. So four command. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 Okay. Okay. So. Uh, okay. Of the four that command the Royal Armada. Two of them have died here. Yes. Leona and Abra. Kamala is still there. Okay, I was thinking Royal Army. That's what I was thinking. Which is interesting because Pavel is Royal Army. Where does Yasmin? Where did Yasmin come from? Search bar? No, no, no. I'm looking. Yeah. I'm I'm looking. Because well, you have Jasmine four... is not listed on this. I know card. that's what I mean. I'm like, where? Where is it? All right. Anyways, she's the she must be the last one because it says seven, but then there are only six names. Ah, there gotcha, are... gotcha. Two so command, she, so two she... command, and four. Okay, cool. All right. Shameless pug. If you're oh, interested no, yes. in a theory about the queen being alive, you can listen to the third episode of Rabbit Hole Radio. Dun, totally. dun, dun. Are we ready to move on to the yes, I've been, I have been uh, I have been proven wrong enough for the fusion rifle class. Let's go prove me wrong <laughs> in the shotguns class. Okay. <laughs> shotguns. There are few weapons that offer the comfort and familiarity of a shotgun. Built for close quarters combat, they provide immediate violent conflict resolution. That is such a true statement. 
and it's mm-hmm. not always <clears throat> close proximity. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Sometimes. They obviously didn't get the patch notes. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, look, that person's halfway across the map. Let me just zoom down my shotgun and kill him. <laughs> Snipe him. It's, yeah, know, it's, right? it, it was the lie that fell winter told you i don't know why you guys uh, are still arguing about this oh man mel you want to grab gross. you want to grab the first one yeah invective all right so this is first part is a quote from icora ray and it is states i tried to talk them down they made a grab for my ghost after that it was short conversation I love that line so much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Invective was Ikora Ray's weapon of choice during her younger, more rebellious days. An ideal fallback for situations that can't be solved by wit, quick talk, or pure intimidation. This modified shotgun uses a self-replicating magazine to keep its owner well-stocked for any and all trouble that waits beyond the city. So the perks on the invective is that, just like the Grimoire stated, this weapon regenerates ammo over time. Uh, so I'm sh- I know we talked about the invective a good deal when we did our Icora Ray episode, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll go ahead and little do a little refresh for you guys. So these are some notes from Rhino as well. So the actual definition of invective um, actually goes back to what was kind of saying in, or what Icora was saying in the Grimmer card. And it's an abusive or venomous language used to express brain, blame um, or a rude expression of discourse intended to offend or hurt. So it's kind of like you know that stupid line in Star Wars where they like they were like, "Oh, you should." Padme told I think Anakin's like, "Hey, why don't we just discuss this?" And he's like, "Oh, it broke down to like aggressive negotiations or some stupid line like that." That's what I see the invective is. At least it was for Ikora, right? You know, she's in there like trying to discuss it out, being very civil, diplomatic, and then they just you know she's like, you know what? Okay, we can't come to resolution. Let's let's deal with this the old fashioned way. So, um, also in literature and in poetry, per Rano's notes, is the um, invective form is used to de- uh, denote disdain in authority, often practiced to incite violent behavior for a collective mass and stir up revolt. Um, kind of also telling about how Ikora during her younger days was more rebellious. She didn't like to really follow the rules, kind of did her own thing and made her own name for herself. So it's pretty telling that this type of shotgun expresses her fully and what her type of mindset and personality was like during that type of situation. Um, Also in Greek and Roman literature, um, invective libellus, I think that's how you say that, um, is that uh, often circulated amongst friends and political partisans. The intention of these manuscripts was meant to be defamatory, mock public leaders and show hatred to hatred towards the institutions um again just cycles back to the whole entire um mentality that i kind of i core was carrying during that time in her life um and when you're we think about a shotgun like that's kind of i mean that's quick and dirty man like you're in their face it's almost kind of like i see shotguns as kind of you're yelling at them if you want to think about in terms of guns. Um, whereas if you think of like the sniper rifle is kind of like a whisper, you know, like if you want to think about it in this type of circumstance, it gives you a good visualization of what the invective is. Okay, and what so what like. kind of gun is, is a yodel? Is a yodel? 
fusion rifles. I was gonna say fusion rifle, <laughs> totally all the way. Or because or, you have or, to go. Or rocket launchers with multiple nodes because they're very loud. So when you think of Yodeling, I think of like the guys on like this like the Swiss Alps with those giant like. Yeah, see, I was going. Yodeling I was going dudes. for it takes forever to get to the end, which is what fusion rifles are. True. But True. basically, yeah. what I heard is Fusion. shotguns. Shotguns are the equivalent of the internet with caps lock. Yes, yeah, I also much. feel like I feel still feel like shotguns are the gun of trolls. I'm just <laughs> gonna put that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to make real quick a a comment about the the flavor text. Um, mm-hmm. Ikora, Ikora was actually known for having no patience for dogma or etiquette. And so she was actually referred to as an iconoclastic, uh, guardian. Uh, we, we did talk about this quite a bit in the Ikora Ray episode, but an iconoclastic is basically a person who is very, it's characterized by basically attacking, um, cherished beliefs or institutions. So she was, she was very, very prickly let's go with that um so the invective it, i mean mel you I, I i totally agree with you the invective is exactly the weapon of choice for her as an iconoclastic individual um but it also kind of when you read that flavor text i kind of see her as being like her her quote attempt to talk them down i i, I see it as her insulting them until they backed down and then they got mad and grabbed her ghost. So she kind of, she kind of was a self-fulfilling prophecy in that particular situation. As far as I can see, um, just simply given that we know that she has like, she had no patience for etiquette at all. So I, I, I did, I did just want to toss that, that thought of mine out there for the infective. So Icora confirmed was an actual troll baiter. Yes. Back in her day. Yes. Okay. She so still she would, is to she would put a, Oh yeah, she is. But she's much more I don't know, she's eloquent much more about subtle. it. Her exposure uh, yeah. her, her exposure to Cade has allowed her to refine her art. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She her I think her and Aldrin would have a sass off. <laughs> I mean, have you heard Zoe from Firefly? That woman can sass. <laughs> Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I very well know. And I know that voice actress will excel at making Ikor mm-hmm. the sass queen of the tower. Like, yeah. I want to sass off. Okay, Bungie, you listen, you, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> Destiny 2. Aldrin, Ikor, sass off. <laughs> Well, you know, speaking, speaking of the Awoken, let's let's return to the reef real quick for a look at the Lord of Wolves. Um, this is this is a I believe this was a House of Wolves, yeah, the House of Wolves in from Prison of Elders, uh, and it's the flavor text is by this right alone do I rule. Joylin was a crow. He had seen much more than most. He held the enemy's greatest weapon, remembered its burn, then began tinkering. He liked things, liked how they worked, found happiness in finding new avenues through which a thing could function. Not to alter the purpose, but simply refine it. The weapon delivered impact with incredible force spread over a range to increase its area of influence. But what if that force was brought to focus in a directed burst? 
A seasoned marksman with a steady, strong hand could deliver a burn that served less to herd, more to punish. The feral ones deserved nothing less. The wolves would have a new master, and that master was fire. I love that card. Um, mostly because, like, the idea of the wolves being feral and um, the civilization, like the concept of fire, which is usually, you know, again, kind of going into into the Prometheus legend, you know, the the giving of fire was the giving of civilization, and you you're you're mastering the feral wolves with fire. Um, this also kind of points to another aspect of a lot of the, the, especially like the house of wolves weapons, um, especially the prison of elders exotics, uh, pretty much all of those exotics were really taken by either crows or just, uh, an unknown awoken and they were retrofitted. Uh, they were repert like not, and it actually kind of says that it's not that it, it, they changed it, but they refined the purpose of the weapon. So they took that hodgepodge, you know, fallen technology with all the duct tape, uh, and kind of polished it up and made it where it actually was an actual working functional gun that could stand up to a bit more abuse than, than maybe it could have when it was just stuck together by the fallen. Um, on Lord of Wolves, there's not a lot that we got from Rhino for that. It's the Fallen House of Wolves weapon was rebuilt for the Queen's Army. We do have here that um, the acknowledgement that a crow is not just the the mechanical spies. This is actually a crow who is an intelligence operative, really. And I'm trying to think here where else the there's another really kind of annoying tidbit here. Um, so this gun is called the Lord of Wolves. It talks all about the House of Wolves. But if you're really, really annoyed at, you know, minor inconsistencies like I am, if you look at the weapon, that's a House of Devils insignia on the weapon. So, you know, let that sink in for a second. Okay. So house of devils on the, the wolves weapon. Did they steal it from them? Yeah. That's what we, I mean, we will know because this weapon was, was stole was stolen by a crow. So he, the, the Lord of wolves gun that we get is actually the repurposed, uh, weapon that you know jolin created or well a mod like a model of that it's just it's to me it's it was just like you know this entire card is about the wolves the entire you know the wolves deserve a new master the blah 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 you know the prison of elders skolas was wolves 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 <laughs> then right mm-hmm. here we have house of devils i'm <laughs> like ah <laughs> well is it possible is it possible because um um, the queen was the leader of the House of Wolves, and if a crow took it, could they just be like, "Okay, this is ours now, bye," and like totally not have acknowledged the where its origin was originally from? Yeah, but I mean, the I don't know. 
It's kind of like finders keepers, losers sweepers. Yeah, but I mean, of- like the crow, even the crow. I mean, the crows reported to the queen ultimately. Anyway, I mean, like I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where it's like I'm like, wh- why? What? What is the significance of this little etching of a completely different house? Like it's just well, it does it does say at the very beginning of the card. Um, that the crow, he, uh, he held the enemy's greatest weapons. So, I mean. Oh, so you think this might be from a devil? Yeah. Like he actually took it from a devil as kind of like a trophy. Uh, Okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. Does that maybe, I don't know if I'm reaching here. No, 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 no. That makes sense. So he, he, he took the weapon from a devil Mm-hmm. And then repurposed it when he came back to the prison because that's and the wolves that he's talking about the Lord of Wolves is because they have the wolves in the prison. Mm-hmm. See, that's this is why we have you around. You have the simple answers that make me wrong. <laughs> I'm Quite not trying to make same you show. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to. I'm just I'm just trying to throw ideas out, possibilities like simple Occam's Razor. Yes. I like it. All right. So Mel for the win. So we want to go to everyone's most hated shotgun um, in in Crucible. That's a uh, exotic. Yeah. Oh, you mean the sure. one that the one that comes on a pale horse? Yeah, that one. Yeah, the fourth <laughs> horseman. Malevolent, listen. Do you hear this? Do you hear all the sign? Like it, it, it sorry, tastes sorry. like go. venom. Just, just. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll Salty. let you go. Go. Go, Green. I'll. I'll meet myself. It's not a holdout weapon. It's a pathfinder. <laughs> yeah, I know that part makes me always giggle too. All right. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't take. All right. That's Continue. All right. I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet. All right. <sighs> One look Blue. at the fourth. <laughs> One look at the fourth horseman and the care taken in crafting it points to the old trophy-driven traditions of the hunt. But the blunt force destroyer wasn't built for just any game. Its precision tuning allows for full auto-firing, while measured impact timing provides an extra kick at the tail end of each magazine. A needed fail-safe designed specifically for the weapon's intended prey, the biggest game in the system, the Cabal. First off, the Cabal are not the largest things that we have ever faced. True. Uh, yeah, yeah well, okay, I mean, okay, well, okay, orcs. <laughs> but but okay. Um, if we uh, go to the Primus, yeah. If you go to Primus and all the big guys, sure. But as far as like, because the ones okay, but there's there, a difference. There's a different. I, um, hang on. Let me let me organize my thought here a minute. There's a difference between the biggest enemy that we, our guardian, has faced. And the biggest game in the system that the average individual might be aware of. Could we agree to that? Yeah. Because I mean, like our, our guardian is a special case, right? Our guardian is beyond what all the other guardians are. I mean, we've taken down gods. Mm-hmm. Whereas most of these individuals that exist in the universe. You know, this is this is like talking well, this like this is like talking any any game 
lore is you have to uh, you, you have to realize that your character is by definition a special case, um, you know, and so like you know, this is the biggest game in the system for us. No, no. Cabal are, you know, I mean, the majority of the Cabal are small time threats, uh, but to an average person and to an average, not a, not even a citizen, but an average guardian. The cabal mm-hmm. are very. I mean, think of think of when we first when we first encounter a cabal, right? They have the entirety of Mars locked down. I mean, that's that's a feat because the guardians were able to get out there. The guard, the, you know, the guardians were were going out there, but they have the the exclusion zone completely completely blocking everything. It wasn't until we actually put our foot up there their pants that they actually, that we broke that hold on that planet. So, you know, in for, for us, that was like a walk in the park, but for, you know, a lot of the other guardians and, you know, the awoken and like the, the system, the average person, in the system, the cabal were, were nigh unstoppable. I mean, right. So, and that is all to say that I think I get what, what you're saying is like the the biggest game in the system isn't necessarily the cabal, but my argument would be not for us, but for everyone else, for, it is for the perspective of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's maybe not necessarily the physical stature of the cabal, but more of right. And then there's the that too, yeah. the difficulty for which you need to take down a cabal. Like you can't just be walk up to them and like shoot them in the face with your shoddy. Like you have to be precise about it. It's mm-hmm. it, you why know it's you, it, why would you walk up to anybody and shoot them with your shoddy? Just shoot them from across the map. But you know how satisfying it is to like run up to something yes. and shoot them in the face with a shotgun, like especially Cabal. Like, do you know how like cathartic that is? How cathartic like, it is. It's just as cathartic to stand on the other side of the world and snipe them through the face. Yeah, but you don't get the, the you don't get the adrenaline rush. Like, I mean, you crap. Okay, you crouch down as a blade dancer. You get a little invisibility cloak going. You run up to them as fast as you can, do a couple jumps, maybe a little blink, and then you pop right out of invisibility right in front of them and right in their face, and then you go back out and you're gone before they even know what happened. And, you so, know. so you're you're using fraggle strategies. Mm-hmm. I'm using strategies that are fun. I don't know. <laughs> yes. What's the correct answer here? <laughs> Tell me what I must say. <laughs> uh, Green, do you want to so, you want to touch on the notes for the fourth horseman? Yeah. So the perks that it has, the primary perks, is return to cinder, which means kills have a chance to grant bonus ammo into the magazine or grant ammo back into the magazine. And then the thunderer, which means it can be fired in full auto, which we talked about in the card. And then according to Rhino and the chat, because this was a huge discussion was to talk about the book of revelations because the fourth horseman is part of the Bible in the book of revelations, one of the last books in the whole, the whole shebang. And this horseman is the horseman of death. And the four different horsemen are pestilence, war, famine, and then finally death. And death has been known to appear at least by translation as either as pale, pale green, yellowish green, it's the translation's kind of fuzzy with that. And then as far as miscellaneous, 
type uh, reference to it in 1932 in a Western film. Cowboy saves a town from a gang of bandits. So that's the fourth horseman for a movie. And then it also may be referencing the four types of enemies as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, fallen, high, vex, and cabal. So it may be referencing back onto itself within the game. That was all within the chat that we talked about and pretty straightforward with that. Right. I really I, like that. Yeah, no, I love it. that idea. Oh, I was just saying, I love the idea of referencing the four types of enemies mm-hmm. as the four mm-hmm. horsemen of the apocalypse. Like that is really, really cool. I was, I was that was all, that's all I had. That's, I was okay. going to say the same thing. I was like, no, no, I want to say it for no. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do like that too, because if you, if you look at the order in which you kind of, ex- we experience the, the enemies that's, you know, fallen hive vex and cabal, which the call out for cabal in the fourth horseman card would be the fourth horseman is the cabal, which is death. Um, I think I like I like that kind of little little parallel concept too. And if you talk about let's see here, what is it? Fallen is pestilence. War would be hive. Famine would be vex, and death would be cabal. Yeah, I have a, assign I have a, it. I mean, yeah, I think death is the only one that I would really kind of attribute accurately there, because I'd I'd honestly think the the hive would be famine, um, and vex would be war, more well, or fallen. Could, I mean, fallen would be war, and then uh, vex would be pestilence. But that's because of the attributes of the individual types of enemies because the connections yeah because like the the fallen would be the war against the city the hive would be the the hungering for the light the vex would be the infectious nature of the radiolorian fluid and the cabal would be death though technically you could also switch that for war but yes i'm not going to let myself go down that rabbit hole any further that's probably a good idea. That's a good idea. Thanks. Thanks, Mal. Thanks. It's okay. Purple. Why do you sound, you both sound so familiar. They, to each yeah, other. they sound super, super like. Purple and I. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. That's why I mistake uh, you two. It's like, oh my God. I have to look at Discord actually the whole time to make sure I'm saying the right person. So, uh, all right, Purple, do you want to grab the last of the, snu- I mean, the shotguns? Yes. The chaperone. My mother had a shotgun we called the chaperone. Kept us alive out there before we got to the city. Amanda Holiday. Amanda Holiday was born on the road when the city was nothing more than a whispered prayer. Their only protection was the weapons they could scavenge, build, or modify. Weapons like her mother's two-barrel shotgun with its black and gold filigree far too fine for the world around it. They call it. They called it the chaperone. That chaperone lies in a shallow grave with its last owner, but Amanda recalls every detail of its design. And via a partnership with the gunsmiths of Tex Mechanica, she brought the chaperone back to life. Though the new weapon is much more powerful than the cantankerous relic the holidays used on the road. It bears the appearance and the name of the chaperone that saw the one surviving holiday safely to the last city. 
Yay. It's so pretty. This is my favorite, 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 favorite exotic uh, special weapon. Like, I I like playing with it. I like playing with it, actually playing with the shotgun. And then it's so pretty. It's so pretty. But I hated getting this gun. I hated it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was a... Green, you want to you want to take that one? Actually, oh gosh. Okay, so <laughs> the quest line that goes with the chaperone. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's all you need to know. Yeah, pretty much. So it goes through quite a quite a list of things that you have to do. Uh, starts with shindig, which means you do shindig in the crucible, defeat guardians in the crucible with the last word. Or sparrow race. Or sparrow race, which was how everybody did it, it seems. Yes, it was totally legit. And yes. To boost your favor with Tex Mechanica. So you had to get noticed for this deal. And then you had to go talk to Amanda. And then Amanda said that we need some money. You should probably bribe them to kind of get you everything that you need for this gun. So you have to purchase a generous donation. And if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm doing air quotes, a generous donation for Tex Mechanica. So you get to bribe them from um, Master Rahul because the evil guy can't get enough already. And then go talk to Amanda. Then you get Buckshot Bruiser. And then you use a shotgun to defeat Guardians in the Crucible. And high-level minions of darkness, which was actually probably the easier part of that quest. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Oh god. And then the very last part, two for the road, after you visit Amanda again, is use a shotgun to defeat the Shield Brothers on the Dreadnought, which don't if you do have with a randoms. Good team, oh my god. If <laughs> no. you have a team, it's fine. If you don't have a team, you're just gonna be there all day. Punching them in the face, telling them to stop killing them because you have to do the quest. Yep. Yeah. Let me just say this this quest line is the shittiest (laughs) quest line of exotic guns I've ever had to do. And let me just say, I didn't get the ability to do this quest line until after sparrow racing occurred. No. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wah, mm-hmm. Wah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not salty at all. Okay, so here's no. let's do a little vote. Which was harder? Thorn quest or the chaperone quest? Chaperone. Given that I haven't completed the chaperone, the chaperone. <laughs> really? I'm gonna go with that one. I had a hard time with Thorn, but that's Oh just no. Well Okay. Thorn Thorn just took patience and some strategy basically go in and play control like even as well because see i got thorn i got thorn before we had night stalker so that was like super annoying mm-hmm. in general but like mm-hmm. uh you go in to play either control or um zone control like play anything with an objective other than killing and just basically pretend you're fraggle um hide in a corner with a shot with a void shotgun and just just do that like you'll i got i got through it in a pretty quick order that way um the actual the annoying thing with thorn was the the the, uh dying uh, with minus the no the annoying thing with thorn was the um the summoning pits 
raid at the end. I see. I didn't have, find that to be too hard. We I just hunt. That. We just hid underneath the platform. Hmm. I'm totally. I'm totally the person that finds the shortest distance to the reward and goes that way. If you guys haven't figured that out by now. <laughs> see, I, 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 Zach is literally no. You have to do it the right way, or you didn't do it at all. <laughs> so you never cheesed Crota. Did you never do the? Uh, I never cheesed Crota. Sun Singer. Actually. You never cheesed Crota, where you did uh-uh. the Sun Singer glitch. Mm-mm. We didn't. We, we never cheesed in be- raids. Uh. Uh-uh. To be fair, oh wait, we took a we we took a break from Destiny right before Crota, like um before Crota dropped. So we didn't actually play Crota until um the Taken King came out, just for the sake of completion. But I did cheese Atheon once. I didn't do it. My teammates did, and they're like, "Oh, let's try this Atheon cheese, <laughs> the baby bumpers." <laughs> <laughs> yes, That's the one I haven't cheesed. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't anymore. Can't do, do it anymore. I know you they, can't anymore. But oh my yeah. gosh, we did it. We did it with the Templar. That's the one we would always do because it was like I really don't want to fight you, dude. We're gonna hide down here and just <laughs> just push you off. <laughs> Go away. Yep. Yep. One of our friends <laughs> like, oh, dude, I read this really cool thing where you could just use grenades and they just fall off the f-ing thing, and I'm like really and then he's like yeah yeah let me try it and so he was throwing these grenades they're sitting there and i'm literally sitting down on the ground with my guardian just kind of like okay <laughs> all right i think so. we i think we may i think our group might have tried the cheese for the bridge for crota but honestly that thing took so much longer than just doing it legitly <laughs> that it was mm-hmm. just like i'm like this mm-hmm. is dumb just just run across so yeah we we've never really trying to think that but yeah the templar was the only one that we actually did and that was just because we were did that was just simply to cut time off yeah but so oh, but right. text text mechanica does approve for uh does approve of questionable cutting of corners to our ghost dismay which actually that that is actually some of the fun flavor text that's some of the more fun flavor text reading the it's called the jolly holiday quest. If you go and Ishtar has it um, and we have, we have it. I have a link to the quest steps as well in the mind map that we'll have in the show notes. Um, the ghost, <laughs> the ghost is flavor text that some of them were like, wait, wait, no, wait, running self-diagnostic. I'm not mouth. Are we actually bribing them? <laughs> to win their contest (laughs) and then the snarky the snarky response for the generous donation which looks really like an a reef amethyst by the way um the ghost is like well it's not exactly subtle but this should boost your standing (laughs) yeah someone does not approve Man, Tex Mechanica is raking in that glimmer man like Mm -hmm. yeah well you know when you threaten shacks and nearly get your factory destroyed yeah they're involved in a lot of questionable things (laughs) (laughs) win some you lose some not not according to them they win all the time they win all the time but it's true it's rigged nope nope we just win all the time (laughs) winning is all that matters oh god (laughs) <laughs> all right do we want to decide arms to the, yes, s- yes, to the yes. side arms spiky potato 
with the sidearms, which are now the OP gun in the Crucible. But anyways, um, sidearms. The sidearm class is made up of lightweight pistols designed for ease of handling and quick firing. Its antiquated triggering system and engineering make it rare within the city limits. As it's long been a, uh, a staple of the Awoken Royal Guard, perhaps this newly forged alliance between the Reef and the city will see the sidearms become a commonplace within Guardian arsenals. And if they rebalance the meta, which they did. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So first up on sidearms is our beloved spiky potato, the Dreg's Promise. Um, so flavor text. I am a marvel with 10,000 arms. Here, there is a story, old as time, of he who could catch the stars. Unnamed and eternal, the star catcher would lead the fallen, rising from the lowest station to the highest exalted peaks. It is a fairy tale allowed to persist by the forearm to keep the docked hopeful, placated, and even the low may one day ascend. Myth, fairy tale, or prophecy of what it will be, it's best to not take chances. After all, one can't reach across the black to claim dominion over 10,000 stars with 10,000 arms if they die here and now with only two. Um, and simply because he's not here to weigh in on how much he just absolutely loves this this weapon, this is Justin's you know absolute favorite gun. Uh, you should you should totally send him as many pictures of this gun as you can whenever you listen to this episode. Just just fill up his Twitter account with with pictures of Drake's promise. He loves the gun, um, or send it to him over on Discord. Just basically inundate Justin's social media with Drake's promise. He he does like his spiky potato. Can I send him a picture of a potato with spikes? Yes, you yes. you can also. That awesome. is also acceptable. Uh, spike right. spiked it. potatoes are also acceptable. Um, the perks for this one is shock rounds, which basically means that a high ricochet shock round with enhanced target acquisition. Uh, you also have grave robber, which is when melee kills with this weapon, um, you have a chance to refill the magazine when it's equipped. And then reserve ammo, uh, which gives ammo on respawn, or it always has ammo on respawn. It is a arc weapon, so you not only have a spiked potato, but you have a little shocking spiked potato. Um, And then the note from Rhino really is just a definition of, you know, promise, which is a declaration assuring that one will or will not do something. And it is a fallen dreg weapon. Uh, Purple, do you remember off the top of your head, there is another, is it Skolas that mentions the 10,000 arms or is it Varix? I cannot remember at the moment. Uh, I don't know. Let's see if we can find it really quick. Let's use... The shameless plug, there's a really cool search bar at the top of Ishtar Collective that Blue is currently using. Um, so it, I typed in 10,000 arms and it came up with Ghost Fragment Fallen 2 mm-hmm. and Ghost Fragment Vex 4, although I don't think that's right. I don't think that's accurate. No. Uh, maybe it's the 10,000. Yeah, okay. So it's the Fallen 2, which is the report of the dreg. Yeah, I 
a routine summation of Darling's one and heroically held by this profitable cycle as compiled by a dreg. <laughs> oh, yes. This is the one with the uh, here always. Which Justin believes is a candy bar. <laughs> but anyways, okay. So you want to go to the... <laughs> The next, that, we're not going to go down that ex, that explanation because he's not okay, here. So nice. <laughs> trespasser. trespasser, trespasser. Oh my god, this gun! I okay for anybody who doesn't know and is not in chat because I've been spamming this in chat. I love sidearms. I've loved sidearms since they came out. I enjoy them thoroughly. And this gun, yes, I agree. It's way op. I don't use it because I still like to use my last word because I'm still that person. But <laughs> that being said, this gun is pretty fun to use. It's it's a lot of fun to use. If you know how to get in and get out real quick and get in the right situations, it's, it's better than a shotgun because you can't get in their face because you're going to get wrecked if you get in their face. But you can just real quick and they just go away. Make your problems go away. Sidearm, shameless plug. <laughs> so the trespasser, we'll go into the grimoire. You are not welcome. Unknown. From Shiro, I beg to differ. Trespasser is Shiro 4's personal sidearm. Kit bashed over the uncounted cycles Shiro 4 spent braving the wilds beyond the city. This light, quick-fire shooter hasn't ended more conversations than it has started, and will end many more before the last war is won. So, yeah. Its main perk is Relentless Tracker, which allows it to grant the Enhanced Motion Tracker resolution for a short time on your little mini-map, which I don't know a ton of people who use. And then be the danger, which this weapon's fires burst of bullets with deadly accuracy. So it's like a mini, mini shotgun in a sidearm format. So it fires a lot faster, but it's got a lot more control. It's deadly as all get out, though. Or at least right now, until they nerf it. Because, you know, Bungie, please. <laughs> and then the definition of a trespasser according to rhino's notes is there's a couple of other names for it interloper traversing and the act of trespassing on a property that is without the permission of the owner and so the flavor text this is from the uh, the grimoire itself where it says kit bashing this means taking pieces out of commercial kits and using these pieces to make a custom project or add to another kit so it's literally just jerry-rigging it. You know, more duct tape. And then the last thing is the ornaments show Link to Shiro's past as an assassin. So Shiro, our fun new friend in the uh, the wolves area, is an old assassin out on the wilds. Kind of like what Cade wants to do, but he can't do anymore because he made that stupid bet. <laughs> that's the trespasser and i'm happy because i got to talk about a sidearm the mini Proceed. pulse rifle mm -hmm. i just have to say that that sidearm should not be beating primaries <laughs> in like one-to-one battles it's in so OP. it's in so certain OP right situations now. in certain situations <laughs> it should beat a primary because it is a special weapon 
it should, not all, I agree that some of the situations and a lot of them anymore, it's way overpowered compared to a normal. I'm still blinking at you. <laughs> I'll take it. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. Hang on, hang on. I got the response for this. Right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? And then shake your head. Uh I'm learning. I'm learning this. Passive aggressiveness. Welcome to the girls cast, guys. Yay! (laughs) Let's talk about... Oh, yeah! Let's talk about the the weapon of whispers, as Mel calls them. The weapon of... Do you want to do the little um, information about sniper rifles before we get into sniper rifles? Sniper rifles. Sniper rifles. Should I whisper it? Yes, you should whisper Sniper it. Sniper rifles. Yes. <laughs> it's a secret. The dangers presented beyond the city. Okay. The dangers presented beyond the city walls cannot always be met head on. The accuracy and power of the sniper rifle offers the best option for precise ranged attacks. Caliber and make differ, but a good sniper can always remove key threats. Bye. With a whisper. In a wink. (laughs) In a wink. (laughs) In a wink. All right. Let's move into everyone's most favorite sniper rifle for killing our favorite... um, Buddy, uh, Mr. Oryx, Mrs. Oryx, Mr. Mrs. Oryx. What is the, what is what is Oryx preferred it. pronoun here? Let's just go it. The, um, the Oryx. The Oryx. All right. So black spindle. The flavor text on it is: Your only existence shall be that which I leave for you out of sorrow and woe. That's heavy. All right. So the actual grimoire on this is kind of um, a poem. So here we go. The followers of Crota swing. Hammers, sing death songs, fatal, final, absolute. Ir Halak and Ir Ir Anuk laugh at Crota. Finality is a child's plaything, fit for one such as Crota, they say. No hammer for the unraveler and the weaver, but a spindle. Wound, wound with woe for their foes, no end for suffering. That was a mindful. All right. So a little bit of notes about Mr. Spindle Chan. So as most of you know, that it's a mulligan is the primary perk. So missing a shot has a chance to return ammo directly to the magazine. So that's pretty fantastic. Um, Good catch. Don't you know? <laughs> So let's see here. So here are some notes from Rhino. Spindle, the, what it actually means, tool designed to weave fibers into thread. So some mythology notes also presented by Rhino are as follows. Uh, the, I can't say this word, Mori, Morai. Morai. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Three goddesses of fate who personify the inescapable destiny of man. They design to, uh, they assign to every person his or her fate or share in the scheming of things. Uh, uh, Clotho, the spinner who spun the threads of life. Uh, Lachesis, the approaching, the approach. Oh God, I cannot speak today. Apportioner. Thank you. Thank you, Blue. The apportioner of lots measured by the thread. And 
Thank Atrophos. you, Atrophos. I do not know my Greek mythology, but I do know who these are. Uh, she who cannot be turned, who cut it short. Um, so, and then uh, Zeus, Blue. Morigades. Thank you, Morigades. The god of fate was their leader. Um, so, those of you that aren't familiar, but I am assuming it's referring to the three women that you see in Hercules that are weaving the tapestry of fate, if you want to have a very simple mind yes. picture there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, with their gross little eyeballs and their stupid scissors that really actually want to cut anything. But anyways, continuing on. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tell us how you really let's, feel. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> this let's take let's take let's take Greek mythology. All right, seriously, no, where where is the most simple form of this figure? Oh, Hercules! I hate Disney so much. <laughs> I love it. Oh God! Oh, Bringing so- mythology to the children of today. Uh, Never mind to this- if it's. Or to the simple-minded masses, you know. Bringing (laughs) inaccurate portrayals of true true stories and fictional pastimes. Yes, let's completely PC them. Wow, tell us how you really feel, Blue. Well, you're you're talking to someone who grew up with Grimm's fairy tales. So, Mm. like, going from that, I remember remember watching my first Disney movie and being like, what? That's not how it ended. That person died. Why is they what? Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, you know which one it was? It was a little mermaid. That's the one it was. Oh yeah, that yeah. one was really dark. Completely confused at the ending of that movie <laughs> as a kid. I was like Um, excuse what? me, she gets a really pretty dress in the Disney version. Oh Shut my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So um yeah, so um I guess you wanna run and bring that back to the Black Spindle. Since yeah. you know a lot about more uh about Greek mythology more than I do, do you want to elaborate on the actual um mythology and how it is incorporated into the Black Spindle specifically its name? Yeah, so the uh, spindle is really so you actually have a couple different connections here. Um, your connection, just in name, is obviously through the spindle, uh, which you know you kind of talked about. That's a tool that's designed to weave fibers into thread. So basically, you take fibers, and um, the spindle is usually portrayed as the wheel. Um, let me just make sure I'm remembering this one. Think correct. of Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, as you put say, your finger mm-hmm. on the spinning. <clears throat> It's spinning wheel, spindle, mm-hmm. but it's That's- it's all it's um I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. purple. I totally cut you off there. That was not my intention, um, but it's also referencing to the fact that it starts to take your life as well. The more you shoot the gun, correct. So right? like yeah, so like a spindle, a spindle is a tool in textile. Uh, you know, that basically takes fibers. So what you'd normally do is you have like all these loose fibers, you have cotton or whatever, and you run it through a spindle, uh, which is a gross oversimplification of what actually happens, but you process it through the spindle and then it creates into thread, which then you can use to, you know, do a number of different things. Um, there's, there's a number of different other, uh, definitions of spindle. You have, uh, computing spindles, which is basically a, a terminology used for hard, hard disk drives. 
Um, you have a biological definition, a spindle apparatus, which is basically a cellular structure. Uh, again, kind of going back ultimately to this concept of a rotating axis uh, or a, a rod of some kind that is used. The the Morai um, connection. So that is actually kind of seen within the concept of the sisters, Irhalak and Iranuk. Um, we talked about this quite actually a little bit with a few of the hive episodes, you know, as we went through the hive, we did quite a few episodes of the hive and um, most of the time they were kind of there and they were always kind of in the background. You, you have your death singers and there's actually three death singers. There's Halaka nuke and then ear as well. Note here that all the death singers have the title ear in front of them, which uh, big shout out to Boemus because he actually pointed out, that ear is actually a a designation of something similar to nobility in I oh, I think it's Arabic. I'm gonna probably get yelled at because I just went blank on that particular thing. But it's it's actually a designation for a a, a, a title akin to nobility. So like sir or madam um, or knight. Uh, that is what that is similar to. So it's actually a a. Um, a ranking system within there. Um, uh, the, let me see. So going back to the connection with the Morai, uh, Morai is the, usually they're always basically personified as the three goddesses, which is what Rhino was kind of going with. There's always a spinner. There's always a partitioner or appropriationer or, and then there's always a cutter. Um, and it kind of, a lot of people try to, um, simplify this into a, a concept of birth, life, and then death. You really can't, uh, it's really not, that's, that's not really how it works. Um, because each one also has, um, different responsibilities, I guess, within the mythology and different aspects of determining the destiny of the individual whose thread they are currently weaving. Uh, the, um, there is also a connection to the ironies, uh, which were basically punishers, uh, which is a really, it's the Mariah is a very fascinating aspect of, of, mythology it's not just greek uh well the marai are in greek but you also have similar things in pretty much every single mythology and i think it's the norse mythology off this is going off the top of my head norse mythology also has a weaver structure uh with regards to the individual's fate or destiny um so again coming back to the connection here is through the black spindle which is something that you know it says right here, your only existence shall be that which I weave for you out of sorrow and woe. So they are literally taking sorrow and woe. And if you, and again, imagine this as a spindle, you're taking sorrow and woe. These are your threads and you're weaving them through the black spindle into a thread or into, yeah. So you're, you're taking the, the fabric or the texture of fat, sorrow and woe and weaving them into a thread of your existence in which it's a sniper rifle. So, you know, it's not going to be a good existence. Um, but you also have the, the portrayal of Halak and Anuk as actual weavers. They are actually weaving 
uh, reality that is pers- uh, presented in their own cards where you have one of them sitting at the, the prow of the dreadnought and one of them sitting at the, the back of the dreadnought. One of them is splitting reality and then the other is repairing reality behind it. So it's actually, they're actually parting the fe- the, the seams of reality for Oryx to allow him to do what he does within the, the, the universe. Um, so again, they are weavers, they are singers, you know, death songs. These, these are, these are weavers. Um, the, the other kind of, kind of humorous nod within the black spindle too, is the, the just absolute insult, insulting of Crota that they do. Um, so, there, you, you're probably familiar with the concept of don't use a hammer when you can use a needle. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's basically they're like Crota uses hammers, we use needles. Um, you know, and and so and so she they're well they're both kind of saying they're like this is this is so cute because finality is a child's plaything fit for one such as Crota, but for us, for us, we aren't going to end you. No, and that's kind of this, the last part here is it says, but a spindle wound with woe for their foes, no end of suffering. They are literally going to weave you into an existence in which you cannot die for the sheer, for the sheer purpose to ensure that your suffering will never end. Whereas Crota will just kill you. They will make you suffer for eternity. And that's that's kind of the the summation of that entire card is they they laugh at Crota because Crota sees things in in uh, a, a, a two dimensional or three dimensional space where they're playing four dimensions. Does that all make sense? Did I lose everybody? No, definitely. No. Yay. And it's also covered in Hivey Hiveness. Heavy Hiveness is also a plus. Yes. And this quest wasn't nearly as hard to do. Mm-mm. I actually don't even remember this quest. Oh, no, this is the secret one, right? Mm-hmm. Was it, yeah. Would you even consider that a quest? Wasn't it, wasn't it more of like a... Alternate know. ending. Yeah, it was... Cause yeah, this is, well, this you is had the to one. play Lost to Light mm-hmm. and do this the special ending... When it was the daily mission. Yeah. Had to be yeah. Daily. And, and within a certain time limit, right? Yes. Well, yeah. you had to get to the that certain checkpoint. Well, no, you had to do the whole thing, right? Yeah, you had to do the whole thing. Yeah, you're right. It was the whole thing. Yeah, you get a 10-minute timer to kill all the, the taken on the catch. And then you have to kill, um, get rid of the blights and stuff. Right. Well, yeah, right. dude. I think you had to kill all of them. It wasn't. Isn't this the one with the Vienna? Is it the Vienna Singer? Is the ship the super, super, super rare ship? Yeah the the yeah. one that looks like a scion. Mm-hmm. A scion. A scion. Uh, you know, what I'm trying to say a um, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, a uh, star. <laughs> a uh, Cylon. So it's oh, it's right there. Uh, the my Cylon time. ships. Yes, the Cylon ships. Oh, like that's yeah, what it, it reminds me of. It has the lights in it, and it goes. Yeah. Okay. 
right. That was a complete unnecessary tangent. I Cylon I Raiders. Thank you. I like the Cylon uh, Raiders. They're pretty. All right. Anyways. Uh, okay. What do we got next? We got the Hereafter, which is actually a really cool card. Um, and this is the gun that I call the Jazz Hands because of the perk. But first... Flavor text is huddled at the mountain's base. We had no choice but to beat our plowshares into swords once more. Once we had peace. This isn't a story about peace. Then there was darkness, destruction, and despair. This isn't a story about those things either. This story comes much later. It's a story about what was here, after, and what came next. Um, This is... This is a really fun sniper rifle, in my in my opinion. Uh, the main perk here is the hereafter, and then blinding light. Uh, hereafter, basically, when you crouch, you increase your scope zoom, and it also kind of gives you a less seeing of the staggering, so it makes it easier to aim under fire. And then blinding light is the jazz hands. This is when precision kills with this weapon cause a bright flash that can blind nearby enemies. And it is hilarious because whenever I use it, I have to shout jazz hands whenever I get it. Um, It creates like this giant disco ball of light and it makes me very happy. Uh, Okay, let's see. Notes. Notes on this one. So we got some definitions from Rhino. Afterlife is the consciousness of soul continuing to exist beyond death in this body, uh, which, you know, basically if you're familiar with any religion, you're probably familiar with that. Uh, Your flavor text is plowshares into swords. Uh, This is a, oh, this is a pretty loaded flavor text. Um, And I've, I've actually provided a link to a a decent summary that I found talking about the swords, the plowshares and vice versa concept over on Wikipedia. There's actually, they actually did a pretty good job summarizing that. Um, So normally what happens is a lot of people are very familiar with the, the biblical passage from the book of Isaiah, uh, specifically uh, chapter two, verse four, in which it says he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And it goes on to say nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, what you might not also realize is that there's a couple other references to this concept in the Bible. Uh, specifically a fun little twist on this one is in Joel chapter three, verse 10, in which it actually says the exact opposite. It says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say I am strong. Um, and so it, there's, there's a huge historical conversation about what exactly is happening within the old Testament at this point. But what that means is that this is a, this is a common concept plowshares, uh, the idea of plowshares is usually used to symbolize the creative tools that benefit humankind. Uh, so there, there's, you know, plowshares is a plowshare is a, basically a farming implement. There is no way to really use a plowshare for violence. Uh, if you have ever seen a video or a movie where there's, you know, like the medieval, farmer walking behind a horse with the 
I don't even know how to describe this thing. It's like a, a wooden thing with a giant metal base that's turning the gr- turning the ground up as the as the horse pulls it. That's a plowshare. There is no way to take that and like hurt somebody. Um, mostly because you, I mean they're pretty heavy. Yeah, I was about to say mostly because <laughs> you cannot pick this thing up. Like you have to have usually a team of horses to pull these things. Like it, they're it's it's not not easy to move them. Um, and so the the concept of beating your swords into plowshares is a concept of taking the destructive tools of war, uh, usually you know sim- symbolized by the sword or the spear, and then melting them down and building a creative tool that benefits humankind. That is a symbol of peace of uh, of not violent conflict. Uh, which is where you get the plowshares and the prune hooks. Uh, pruning hooks are kind of similar. It's a it's a useless tool that you can't really do anything other than like the one thing that you're supposed to do with it, which is pruning things. That's I mean, it's not, I don't even really think pruning hooks are sharp. Um, but that that's where that kind of concept comes from. So the hereafter is is saying that you know. That's what they've done. They've done that. They've they've beaten their swords into plowshares. They've they've gotten into this point where there is no need for war. And now in the here and the after, they have come back in full circle and they're now at a point where they have to they have no choice but to take those plowshares and those pruning hooks and beat them back into swords, melt them down and remake those weapons of war. Uh which is very very apt given that this is a weapon of war this is a sniper rifle um so yeah that's that's the kind of the the basic introduction to the symbolism within that flavor text right there uh it's also you know that's one of the reasons i absolutely really actually like you know uh purple you were talking about the queens queen breakers being really connected to the lore this is actually one of those like cool little trivia nods that i really really like in the in the weapon lore but do you want when when they do something well they do it really super awesome yeah and even when they don't do something well they usually do it pretty well yeah obx boy has a really good phrase for that Uh, you should go listen to garden radio for for it (laughs) (laughs) so you guys want to you want to break the ice yeah, let's do some icebreaker. So, icebreaker, the flavor text is please replace these components if use causes fatal damage. Heat, sink, magazine, operator. Grimoire says the icebreaker series was a clandestine project developed by the Vanguard in conjunction with various city weapon foundries. Meant as an exploration of Golden Age weapon technology. The project was scrapped after only a single weapon reached the testing phase. The prototypes for the project's lone weapon are considered dangerous and unfit for field duty by the Vanguard. This hasn't stopped daring guardians from seeking out the icebreakers. Death, after all, is an occupational hazard. And the icebreakers perks is icebreaker. And it says icebreakers victims spontaneously combust, dealing damage to others nearby. And then no backpack says it cannot be reloaded and then regenerates ammo over time. So it is the ideal gun for trials. A lot of times you still see people carry this guy in there just because it constantly has ammo regenerating. 
but it's kind of like Firefly before Firefly was a thing. Mm-hmm. Although you don't have to have a headshot necessarily. And Rhino's notes. Let me get to the, all the all the tabs. All the tabs tonight. Let's see here. Rhino says there's the year three variant is a random drop reward from completing Zavala's Nightfall bounties. And then definition of icebreakers to relieve inhibitions or tension. So something that I did as a teacher, you always had all the kids come together. So first day of school, some of them may not know each other. You do an icebreaker to relax everybody and make them not so tense. And then you pound them over the head with all the rules. Or was that just me? Uh, Then you do use an icebreaker as a way to break up ice as to lessen the impact or obviously. And then it has a nautical purpose. There is literally a ship, uh-huh. which it looks like the plow from the, the previous card. It looks like a plow at the point, and it's just a blade that cuts through these glacial-type waters that are just frozen. And it cuts waterways for other boats and ships. And that's pretty much it with Icebreaker as far as the basics of it. What foundry was this? Do we know? It said it was more than one. Yeah, it was so, a conjunction. It was it was actually a a project between the Vanguard and the Foundries. Interesting that they can't make a weapon like get along. They can't get along and make the weapon. Makes me also wonder if anybody has ever like looked at the gun and seeing if they can figure out, okay, this is Tex Mechanica, this is this person, this is this foundry. See if they can see different parts that would be related I to think, all the foundries. Uh, I want to say Uni did. Seem to remember something. I know he did that with something, with one of the weapons. And I want to say it was this one. Oh. Ask him that. Yeah, we'll, we'll need to ask Uni. Because I, I want to say that he did have like a breakdown of something like that, and I don't know if it was for the icebreaker. I don't know if it was for the icebreaker though. It might have been for a different weapon that he had been working on. Um, the other thing is the year three variant. Did you already talk about the drop? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was I was getting distracted by Norse mythology and the parallels between the Morkor. So, anyways, they're the Norns. By the way, I found that. Moving on. Moving on. Let's Patience about, and time. Yeah, let's talk about something I don't have a lot of. Me either. <laughs> uh, patience and time. If you've got it, they'll never see it coming. Patience and time is an assassin's dream. Enhanced sensor integration allows for target tracking while aiming down the site, and those who work with the weapon and explore its deeper capabilities will find light-bending camouflage systems ready to interface with the Guardian's armor micromaterials. Okay. So fun! So, patience and time, obviously. Um a reference to the having patience and time, which many, many people lack. Um, it's, it has a state of endurance under difficult circumstances and the level of stead- steadfastness. Um, great rewards are ahead if the steadfast prevails. 
Um, and then micromaterials are a material whose properties depend on the microscopic design of the structure. Um, optics used in materials include sapphire fibers, fiber optic projectors, evanescent wave absorption tech, and light manipulating circuitry. And then um, there's a quote from Leo Tolstoy, which says the two most powerful warriors are patience and time. Yes. And just real quick, the perks are uh, the named perk is patience and time. That's the perk that gives you active camouflage while aiming down sights. And then third eye is another perk on there. So that's uh, the that perk is the radar stays active when you're ADS. Um, the cool the cool thing for me on this is actually in the flavor text. They actually call it out. They say. Those who work with the weapon and explore its deeper capabilities will find light bending camouflage systems. Um, if you look at the perk tree and the talent grid, I guess would be the technical term for it. The talent grid patience and time, which is the active camouflage is the last perk that you can unlock on that grid. So you actually have to level up the gun in order to get that perk, which means that you will work with the weapon and explore its deeper capability. I just like that the grimoire card itself kind of gives a nod to that, that leveling up of the weapon. Now I am not a hunter, but this gun to me seems like like the hunter gun. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. it fits so well with the, what feels like a hunter to me in the like lone assassin laying out in the field, just waiting. Right. Um, Yeah. I, you know, camouflage and all that kind of stuff. Like, I have to say that out of a lot of the guns that you see, this one feels the most Terran, like natural to us um, in respect to how we see guns, like what we have today, like with the different camouflage and kind of like the body of the actual gun and stuff, aside from the very, very tip nozzle of it. But I feel like a lot of the guns in Destiny are, are have at least some futuristic elements to it. Some of them are pretty basic looking. But um, I always thought it was interesting that this is one of the few that seems to have transcended transcended time in respect to, like, if we were living in the Destiny world, but we are in our own time and not in the future. But, um, yes. Definitely. I think the only other one that comes to mind is the, uh, the sniper for the primary, the primary sniper. Can't think of what it's called. No Land Beyond. Hmm. Alrighty, do we want to go to our last gun of the night? Yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. The, one, the one that I despise you for. Because we can't get it. Oh, then that's perfect that I I know, I was, read it. <laughs> I was, I was divvying out the cards and I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Mel gets this it was one. funny because you said that because I was looking at it and it's like, oh yeah, I have a Zam meter. I'm like, wait a minute, there's something special about this. Like someone <laughs> else can't get this. I don't know. We'll come up when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Zam meter. Um, the flavor text on this is complete awareness, complete focus. A mind sharpened by diligence to a single deadly point. From the writings of Taco Three, Praxic Deconstructionist. All right. 
Exo have always known that a machine is capable of bringing the gap between the physical and the numerous. It is from that from that knowledge and my collaboration with two guardians, Hunter Azuma Vale Zale, and the warlock they call Stoic, and the Zen meter was born. This groundbreaking weapon uses. Okay, I'm going to have a really hard time saying this word, but it is electroencephalography, so EEG, uh, to draw energy from the wielder's uh, neural activity. It can even, if a certain threshold is met, convert that energy into matter to be used as uh, concussive ammunition. Or, to be more precise, the more focused the wielder's mind, the more powerful the weapon. So that was the T, T, you know, TLDR version of that little paragraph. <laughs> um, so let's see. Our actual perks for this gun are solar damage. The weapon does solar damage. Dynamite grants explosive rounds. Rapid kills with every round in the clip. Load an extra higher damage round for five seconds. And with a laser beam, the extra round from dynamite causes a massive explosion. Uh, fun fact, thanks to our little chat, that little quote with a laser beam is actually a reference to a Queen song, which is a really good Queen song called Killer Queen. And the line is, she's a Killer Queen gunpowder guillotine dynamite with a laser beam guaranteed to blow your mind anytime so there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so yeah no i'm Ooh. gonna let you finish before i dive off into this one okay do you want me to go ahead and talk yeah. about what yeah go, all right go for it all right, so these are some additional notes from Rhino. Um, definition of Zen. So most of us kind of know what that is. Um, Buddhist school of wisdom, absorption, or the meditative state. Um, also the practice of meditation to regulate the mind. Um, the direct awareness towards counting or watching the breath, also bringing that awareness to the energy center. So when you think about when you maybe you're doing yoga or you're doing meditation, the actual concentration of your breath to get to your mind to that that clean state um, to get to your Zen moment. Um, Meteor, uh, meteoroid, comet, the asteroid entering into the Earth's atmosphere. The friction creates aerodynamic heating of that object and produces a streak of light, both from the glowing object and the trail of glowing particles that leaves behind its wake. So if you think about it, Zen is referencing to the person and mind and making your your mind calm um and really and also how it helps with the eeg but then the meteor i would imagine is in relation to the actual trajectory of the bullet leaving um the gun um maybe i'm wrong about that but that's how i kind of imagined what that name is supposed to be referencing um so again the word that i completely butchered um my science teachers would be very mad at me but electroencephalography so eeg um which is most of us know as the monitoring recorded electroactivity of the brain um when they put those little sticky things all over your head and then they like put it up on a screen you get to look at your so that is um, the EEG, um, the TLDR version. <laughs> um, it's also done with the use of electrodes placed along the scalp, like I said, or in extreme cases, probed inside the brain matter. That just sounds not like a fun time whatsoever. <laughs> so, but blue, it sounds like you have some extra stuff that you want to uh, add on to this. Oh, yes, there's a bunch. Um, All right. So <laughs> there is a a really kind of... Okay, so let me just start this off with this is going to be kind of a dive into some basic descriptions of philosophy. Uh, And the reason why is because the writings actually refer to 
a individual who is a proxic deconstructionist. Now that, you know, we all know what the proxic order is. The praxic order is an order of warlocks. What, but what is a deconstructionist? Um, a deconstructionist is actually in reference to, and I'm going to, I'm going to read an excerpt from the basics of philosophy, which is a really good book. If you are interested in philosophy, it's, it's got a lot of really good summaries on these. Um, so it says, Deconstructionism is a 20th century school in philosophy initiated by Jacques Derrida in the 1960s. It is a theory of literary criticism that questions traditional assumptions about certainty, identity, and truth, and asserts that words can only refer to other words. Any attempts to demonstrate how statements about any text subverts their own meanings. Although Derrida himself denied that it was a method or school or doctrine of philosophy, or indeed anything outside of reading the text itself, the term has been used by others to describe Derrida's particular method of textual criticism, which involved discovering, recognizing, and understanding the underlying assumptions, unspoken and implicit, ideas and frameworks that form the basis for thought and belief. Deconstructionism is notoriously difficult to define or summarize, and many attempts to explain it as in a straightforward, understandable way have been academically criticized for being too far removed from the original text and even contradictory to the concepts of deconstructionism themselves. So that's the end of the quote. Now, note here that there are some major inspirations for this this kind of school of thought, if you would. Uh, there are predominantly negative impacts. And so this is because originally deconstructionism was formed as a rebuttal for another school of philosophy, which um, I'm actually a really big fan of, which is called phenomenology. Uh, so Dorada was actually building this form of thought in order to combat two phenomenologists in particular. That was Edmund Husserl and Martin Heidegger. Uh, both of these are really amazing reads as well. Um, they And phenomenology is, a, I, can, I could go on and on for phenomenology. Um, but a positive impact, a positive influence for the, con- the conception of deconstructionism was actually from uh, Frederick Nietzsche. Uh, and this is he in Nietzsche was actually labeled as a forerunner of deconstructionism in form and substance by Dorada himself. Now, this is all to say that a praxic warlock, which is, if everyone remembers, warlocks who are renowned for their pragmatism, um, if a praxic warlock is identified as a deconstructionist, that's almost borderline redundant from an etymological standpoint, because basically a deconstructionist is a person who argues that you can only assume you can only refer to words as they are related to other words. Um, Basically everything that this show is to a deconstructionist makes no sense because digging in between the lines, it's, it's a waste of time in their mind. Like they don't, they don't view it. Um, it was also really interesting for me, at least that deconstructionism was actually originally meant to be a theory of literary criticism, not necessarily of philosophy, uh, which in the application of deconstructionalistic thought is, it gets really kind of weird when you start applying it to reality and to the, the sense of self that a lot of philosophy kind of talks about. But, um, 
I just found that really kind of that that one term for praxic deconstructionist. That's where that that's where that comes from. That's deconstructionism is an actual form of philosophy within our world today. Um, pragmatism is a uh, you know again going back to the the praxic pragmatism is it is another form of philosophy. Uh, it's actually an approach that assesses the truth of meaning of theories or beliefs in terms of the success of their practical application. So they do not they they basically determine if something's successful based on if it works or not. Um, there is, uh, I, I kind of went into this on the discord chat as well. There's, there's a lot of, uh, really kind of cool connections between pragmatism and deconstructionalism. Uh, again, if you identify deconstructionism as a philosophy, because it's really not, it's more of a reaction to a philosophical paradigm. Um, so, it, but if you want to go down that path, I had, I threw a couple links up in the discord chat as well. Uh, and the, the links that were predominantly being used, the, the explanation that the individual that was writing it was using it for a political theory. Uh, so, you know, if you want to read that, just go into it knowing it's political theory. So it's, it could potentially offend somebody because I'm sure there's someone who disagrees with the theories that he's attacking or agrees with the theories that he's attacking. Um, and then there's also like, there was a bit of a conversation about the entire concept of the inherent limits of language within the course of philosophical paradigms, especially with light of the deconstructionist. Um, there is also a really cool kind of nod to philosophy within the text of this particular grimoire card, um, which is the concept of the warlock they call the stoic. So stoic is another nod to a completely different school of philosophy called stoicism. Uh, This is actually a Hellenistic philosophy that was way, 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 way back in our past. Uh, It was actually popular until about third century AD. Uh, It was a philosophy that predominantly was comprised of personal ethics that was informed by a system of logic and views that held that was held by its followers of the natural world. Uh, One of the very common teachings of this school was that as social beings, the path to happiness for humans was found in accepting that which we had been given in life by not allowing ourselves to be controlled by our desires for pleasure or fear of pain, or in other words, hedonism. Um, so they, they argued that by using our minds to understand the world around us and doing our part in nature's plan, especially by working together and treating each other in a fair and just manner, uh, that that is how human beings were intended to achieve the, the highest form of happiness that we could on this, on this world. Uh, the founder of the school, which was actually started in Athens, uh, which was around third century BC was believed to be Zeno of Citium, um, and some other notable Stoics that you might, might know from history lessons is Seneca, Epictetus, uh, the Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, uh, Dionyges of Babylon, Cato, the younger and Heracles actually, um, but yes, so there's, there's a lot of philosophy nods in the Zen meteor, uh, that were really, really fun for me to kind of, uh, kind of see. Cause I was like, oh man, I, I actually, I actually, this is actually something that I really did study in back when I was in college. Um, the other conversation that we did have in chat was about the hunter Uzuma Vale. 
Uh, this is not this is not Dredge and Veil. Uh, we we kind of talked about that a little bit in chat. Um, the the card that is dealing with the shadows of yore actually gives us the name of the the individual <clears throat> for Dredge and Veil. Uh, I think it was Orso or or uh, I can't remember, but it was not Zuma. So yes. Now that I've killed everyone in chat and on the podcast. <laughs> no one's arguing with you. Yes, no We're one's here. arguing. I We're win. Here. I win. Dispatches from the wilds. All right, guys. So we got an email from Julian and he says in here, he's got a great story uh, about uh, some some nice chaperone use. So but he's got even better. He's got some questions for us. And so he says, hello, FFC. I come to you with stories of my exotic specials. First of all, Icebreaker and Invective Meta Spinfoil. What if Icebreaker's and Invective's Golden Age ammo baking oven taps into the same paracausal power the Hive used to weave the rounds into existence for Touch of Malice in the Black Spindle? So, and then yes, and then he has a really fun story about how the Chaperone is a lifesaver. But, who wants to take the Icebreaker and Invective questions? Okay, so as far as icebreaker and especially invective, um, it seems to be based more philosophically, or not philosophically. It seems to be be based more physically, as in physics, and the idea of pulling from an alternative, like pocket universe, versus creating your own pocket universe through the weaving and unweaving. I mean, it's an interesting concept. It's just. I think More it's brain. I think it's two different paradigms. Like one is one is technical and one is supernatural. Very much so. That's where I feel too. Cuz like uh icebreaker is <clears throat> icebreaker <laughs> given that it could explode in your hands is because it's an actual heat sink. Um mm-hmm. you know like a heat sink for uh to let me let me try to figure out uh an easy example um okay when you're building a computer right when you when you put in a cooling unit into your your computer there's there's a piece of metal on most cooling components that is called a heat sink the entire concept of a heat sink is literally to draw heat into it it's supposed mm-hmm. like it's designed to pull heat uh, normally things, you know, normally you want to try to avoid heat. Well, the heat sink is actually meant to pull the heat that is from the processor chip so that your processor chip can run at a faster speed without melting itself. Ultimately, when, when you talk about computers melting themselves, a, it's not fun. Uh, B, uh, that's, that's what's happening is your, your heat sink in your computer or your laptop isn't able to keep up with the, the heat generated by your processor chip probably because either you're overclocking it or uh, you're you're processing too many things. So uh, for me, the icebreaker kind of was a combination of a heat sink in that regards in that it channels the um, 
that heat that it's pulling into the magazine, which is why it's so volatile is because it's, it's actually, it can't control how much heat is being pulled in. Um, as far as the invective, yeah, I kind of get the, the, uh, the sense that it's kind of similar. It's more of a technical than a supernatural thing. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I like the, I like the idea. I just think that it's two different realms. Yeah. Two different paradigms. I think it's one, I think it's the difference between technological and supernatural. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we do have supernatural guns. I mean, that's without a doubt. We do, we do carry them as well, but these two, I mean, they're built. Icebreaker was built in the tower. Well, within the city area with all the different uh, foundries, but none of the foundries that we know have created any mystical type gun that I know about. Of course, I'm not this huge, huge item lore master. That's going to be Rhino and Uni if they come up with something, but I don't know. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Okay. Well, like I said, we should give, we should f- throw these over to Rhino and Justin and Uni and all those to mm-hmm. hear, to hear their thoughts about this. Um, so rolling into final comments and shout outs. Let's see. Purple. Purple is trapped under a sleeping baby. So <laughs> she's, oh, she's sending me a message. She's, <laughs> she's very, the, the baby is very snuggly, but if she breathes too heavily, she will start waking up. So extraction is unlikely. Um, <laughs> so purple, I know she's still on technically with us, but thank you so much purple for jumping in with us and for her shout outs. I know that she had written in, uh, Ishtar and the destiny Lorecast and the rabbit hole radio, uh, we will put all those links in our show notes and on our, you know, on the site. And then also, if you want to hear any more information on that, be sure to check out the, go listen to the intro real quick again. Uh, she kind of detailed out what exactly all those, all those are. Those are her, the podcast, the mini podcasts that she is, she is part of, um, Mel, what about you? Do you have... Um, not too much. Um, just kind of, I should be able to be on a little bit more regular again. So I am looking forward to that. But other than that, um, thank you again, Purple, for being on today. It was great. I loved having so many girls because usually uh-huh. I am the only girl. <laughs> so I know this is the first time that Green Eyed and I have been on at the same time. So like, yes, like I'm very excited. Um, but other than that, big shout out to the chat and to our Discord buddies. Uh, thank you for all you do. You guys are awesome. And I will see you next Monday, or not Monday. My goodness. Holy Friday. Let's not kill me. <laughs> Again, Let's not kill me. I know. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Too soon. So, awesome. Green, what about and you? And Justin. Justin, I had to pick up slack for you. So, <laughs> See, Justin, you're... Justin, I tried. I tried to get it off. <laughs> so you better be on next time. This is what I'm saying, buddy. <laughs> All right. Now I'm done. <laughs> 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, totally. We get, I mean, we got to pull up the comedy a little bit without Justin here. And so all the puns you provided tonight was a lot of fun. <laughs> pull that into chat and everything. But uh, my shout out is actually to bring it back into the book chat a little bit. Uh, this month, we're going over Neil Gaiman's book, American Gods. If you haven't read that one, I highly suggest it. It's so twisted and fun and definitely will make you think in a lot of different ways. And the, the new TV show is Yay. actually coming out this April, supposedly. I haven't gotten I tried to find an exact date. It's not up yet. So it makes me worry. But everything I found was like April 2017. And that's supposed to be on stars. So looking forward to that. And you'll get an idea of what that's going to be about if you come and do the book chat with us. Yeah, that's my shout out. Awesome. And, and I'm super happy. I'm super happy to have Mel on here. Because it's <laughs> girl power. Right. See, right? It's weird when you're only girl on, right? It totally is. I mean, I love you, Blue and Justin. <laughs> and the, and, but... This was not by design. Having only one what? girl. Regardless, it's awesome to have two matter. on there. And I know. Tonight with three with purple. I mean, come on. It's yeah, three you just you one. just it's all amazing. confuse me. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh email topic for next week is going to be the finalization of the exotic disc discussion. I nearly said destruction, which would be applicable because it's going to be heavy weapons. Um, so if you guys got any emails on that, whether you have comments, questions, thoughts, whatever, uh, give us a shout there. Um, and then also, you know, big shout out. Thank you again, Purple, for joining us. I know your schedule is immensely full between between being squished by babies that three podcasts, three and- podcasts, and doing all that you do for Ishtar Collective, uh, which you know makes everything that we do by by default a lot easier. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also, hey Justin, remember if you don't know where the source of the power is with electricity, all you have to do with the electric cord is kink it like a water hose. It turns it off. It's fine. You'll be fine. Um, it's totally legit. Just trust me on that. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for our live chats, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Purple, for joining in on the conversation with us. I'll be sure to get your links to our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. Be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.